Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Lauren on from Keepwall, and we're going to be talking about the use case, your business case, your cost-benefit analysis for how her customers and prospects make the business case for Keepwall. So why don't we just jump right into introductions. Lauren, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Keepwall? Sure, sure. Thanks for having me, William. Sure. Um, just to say it again, my name is Lauren Fitzpatrick-Shanks, and I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. And being an outsider was pretty much the norm for me. That was just like my everyday life. And specifically, being an outsider in school and the workplace is what motivated me to start Keep Wool. So just for a little background, I'm a Black woman and I'm an aerospace engineer. And I was the first Black woman to graduate from the University of Kansas' aerospace engineering department. And I was also the only minority in one of two women in my graduating class. So because neither the students nor the teacher understood, the teachers understood me and my life experiences, I felt misplaced. And relationships were challenging to build. My mental health was terrible. I consistently questioned changing my major. So kind of think about that. <laughs> Feeling the need to change your entire trajectory because you don't feel like you belong, right? That's kind of insane. Uh, I entered corporate America, and but not much changed. I spent 14 years working at five Fortune 500 companies, and they all promised diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging programs, but all of them were based on vanity metrics. None of the programs were geared around retention, or ensuring the success of the diverse hires. And what was worse was managers received no training on managing, leading, motivating, and communicating with people from all walks of life. And I spent those years watching other employees either suffer and provide less than optimal output or get fed up and leave the company. So my lived experiences in the lack of resources and support for managers but also for the team members um, to have those complex, non-combative conversations that provide context details and learning through storytelling so that everyone can thrive and achieve their full potential is what really led me to founding Keepwool. And Keepwool, if we were to bubble that up to for folks, what what does Keepwool do? Yes, yes. So at Keepwool, which Keepwool stands for Keep Wondering Out Loud, And we're all about curiosity, courage, connection, and learning by doing. So our platform is made up of a digital library of development games that use storytelling to subtly uncover connections and overcome vulnerability to really nurture inclusion and team bonding. Uh, We build learning and development technology that maximizes cultural intelligence in the workplace. And simply stated, because a lot of people are like, well, what's cultural intelligence? What's that really mean? And simply stated, it's having the ability to relate and work effectively across different cultures and demographics of people. And this is simple to state, 
but harder to put into practice because it all starts with interpersonal skills, such as communication, listening, vulnerability, empathy, and compassion. And all of these have to be regularly practiced to become second nature. And if we were good at them, people who got in relationships would never break up, right? Right. (laughs) Um, But as employees at all levels, we don't receive in-depth training in any of those areas. And then we wonder why there's infighting in teams. We wonder why employees don't get along with their managers. We wonder why um, the dynamics of teams isn't great. And that's really what Keep War was focused on. Our solution enables those recurring guided immersive team experiences that are fun, super informative, and they're full of all emotions, especially laughter, to elevate that human experience to really unlock productivity within the people who are employees. Like, let's say that first, they're people first and then employees. And so Keepwell is powered by software. We're technology, we're powered by software, but we're really driven by humans to truly cultivate engagement with the people you work most closely with, regardless if you're remote, if you're in person, or if you're a hybrid of the two. And the truly unique aspect of Keepwell's learning and development platform is that it provides a library of those live multiplayer psychology-based games that facilitate employee development in areas across all lines of business. And then we track the data um, based on how those sessions are impacting the employees. We collect that in a platform and then we provide accountability and measurable change and resources to keep the continuous learning going. So a few things to unpack. One is, uh, are you technically a rocket scientist or are you just, are you, are you, are you real dangerously close to being a rocket scientist? I am technically a rocket scientist. So when people say, listen, this isn't rocket science, like, eh, actually, you can actually kind of call them on it. Uh, kidding yeah. aside, va- you mentioned vanity metrics, which um, yes. for the audience, I'd like for us to unpack that for just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, vanity metrics as you've seen them and you've lived them. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Yeah. What what are those? What what are examples of vanity metrics? Absolutely, vanity metrics. There's a few different things that you can call vanity metrics. Vanity metrics can almost be synonymous with quotas. So Mm -hmm. it's stating like we need to get a certain number of this demographic of people, of new hires in so we can showcase that we're so diverse. And or we need to have this many programs, initiatives, employee resource groups, um, this many attendees at an event to showcase that we're actually providing support. When in reality, you don't care about the outcome and the impact that your initiatives are having, but what the percentage for the numbers look like to to state to the public of what you're doing. So right, it's a, it's a it's a game of perception, not exactly. not not reality. And so it would almost lend itself into a marketing uh, or PR initiative to where it looks mm-hmm. good on paper, but uh, not necessarily the reality behind the veil. Um, Absolutely. So, so, okay. So now, now that we've kind of got some of that out of the way, um, I want to talk a little bit about, so, so, you know, obviously our worlds have changed because of COVID got it, stated and covered, but it seems like a lot of these social movements 
that have been building on one another different uh you know all, all you know we could go back you know 50 years if we want to but let's mm -hmm. just go back uh me to love is love black lives matter mm -hmm. uh, george floyd uh and uh passing away uh, excuse me getting killed let's just call yes. that what it is <laughs> let's call uh, that what it is let's just call that murder. murdered yeah yes. murdered in front of us uh so we can just call that that um it seemed to put societally it seemed to put a lot of pressure on companies in a different way than than it, you know before mm -hmm. pre pre some of the some, some of these really really public uh demonstrations and some of this public pressure, it seemed to still diversity, even 40, 50 years later, was kind of a nice to have. And even right. vanity metrics were, people wouldn't call them. People wouldn't call HR, call a leadership on those metrics. Uh, right. They wouldn't, but now it seems, and again, outsider looking in, it seems like candidates and employees are more apt and more willing to call BS on mm -hmm. on some of those things is that is first of all do i have any of that right you have a hundred percent of that right and when we even look at this great resignation that's mm. going on that's a lot of the reason why people are leaving they're saying the environment is non-conducive what right. you're saying these awards you're winning and that you're putting out you know into the public for pr and things that's not what's really happening inside and then you also have employees that we were working with the um, organization and during their one of their key pool sessions, which I was so happy to be able to sit in on it, someone, an employee said, we don't see the company doing anything for us survivors, the ones who have stayed. Mm. So when your employees are calling themselves survivors, <laughs> what is that saying about mm. your culture? Like... Yeah, survivors uh, yeah they shouldn't be they shouldn't be survive they should be thriving not survive right exactly so how exactly do, how do you move people from that min i mean you know you, you don't do it through words clearly you do it through mm -hmm. actions and through action and what they were basically saying was what was happening with all the effort was either being put on people who were out the door which at that point they've decided i'm leaving. yeah yeah. And so they're trying to throw money at them, which I, I told you, I've worked at five different companies that happened every single time. How oh, can yeah. we keep you begging? And I'm like, we had, I had conversations with you for months, if not years, telling you what you could do. <laughs> Yet it didn't I, I, drew it, I drew it on a wipe off board at one point <laughs> it was a black mark. I think I even used a Sharpie. It's on your, right. it's on your wall. Here's what to do. Map. Right, I told you, I told you, and that, like, really, my last and how I had to come and say, okay, I'm going to do keep well, was it was, I can't change it within the company, I have to come no. out and yeah. go in and say, here's your resource, here's your tool, here's right. what's going to help you do this. But the real thing they were saying, they're throwing money at people or they're begging, what can I give you? Tell us anything, we'll make yeah. this happen. Yeah. And, then, and then they're, you know, new hires and prospective employees, we'll give you the world. And then you get in and you're like, they lied to me. Yeah, this not, shocking. This is not what they're gonna Now that happens, to, now that, uh, just to be clear for the audience, that happens to all candidates. Mm -hmm. So the lying happens to all candidates. Uh, oh. So that's everybody. Now, the depth and breadth of those lies for, for uh, people that are marginalized uh, is far more extensive. 
because they're putting uh, lipstick on a pig. And mm-hmm. so, but, but, you know, make no mistake, we, we lie to all candidates or we embellish. Oh, embellish. Uh, and um, even with that, because part of it is like, well, how can we make it so there's transparency? And that's mm. a lot of what Keep Wool is about because we're like, if you look at Glassdoor, for example, whenever someone's looking for a job, everyone wants to go and look for reviews on the company. They right. want to know, what am I getting into? They might talk to a friend that works there or some, you know, an associate or something that works there and they get some insight, but it may not be the team that they're specifically going to. And on right. Glassdoor, you get a company view, like the global view, but not right. who you're going to be working with. And a lot of it's uh, anonymized. So, but with Keep Wool, the, stat, the, the statistics and the metrics that we're giving that recruiters could use, we're giving information at the team level. And we're giving information like how comfortable our employees, do they feel being themselves on that specific team? Right. What's the team's working relationships look like on that specific team? Oh, that's, how that's often beautiful. are employees learning new approaches or skills from their teammates and leadership? Because upward mobility is important. Am oh, I going to yeah. grow? Am I going to learn? That's important. And we're doing all of this at that team level. So when an employee, and that's what that's one of Keep Wolf's goal is for uh, prospective employees to be asking, well, what are you doing to, what tools are you actually using? Yeah. Are you going to be using to make sure I thrive and I grow and there is long-term, like there's long-term success for me, not that I'll be looking and trying to decide what's my next move in six months. A year right. Or well, years. and it's uh, for candidates, uh, you know, show me examples, like point to a gal mm-hmm. or a guy or someone in the organization that started at a place and they've moved through the organization successfully. Like, what, yes. what, what were the mechanisms that made that happen? And again, you know, not Brad, but, but like someone that looks like me, uh, acts like me, you know, like, again, I think that's important for candidates. I think it's been true of all time, but even more so now is they want to see people like mm-hmm. themselves in the recruiting process. Right. And then they want to hear stories to your point of success mm-hmm. and thriving of people like themselves, like shocking, not shocking. Right. Uh, I, th- I, th- I don't think, I don't think some of this is new. I think our, our, uh, I won't use curse words, but our, our, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> our, our ability to then voice our disdain is, mm-hmm. is new. Like it it's, is. it's been there. Like all this stuff's been here for a long time. However, the willingness to just go yeah done out and Mm -hmm. my only fear with that i have several fears but a fear of the great resignation is that they're just changing jobs and it's and it's It's not not changing the that's what we're (laughs) trying to change we're maximizing cultural intelligence because you leaving the job and i actually had a conversation with someone who um they identified as a trans woman and I mm-hmm. ask them, that, and we do a lot of um, research because we want to make sure all the games that we provide are inclusive right. of all human experiences, right? We want to make sure the questions we're asking aren't going to offend and we have to do our due diligence to make sure we're talking to them. Because obviously I can't go talk to 
3 billion people and like <laughs> get yeah. all that insights, but I can go talk to different communities. I can talk to different groups. I can talk to different, like people that identify differently from me, because that's one of the problems we have in general is we sit and we think about how would we react to this? That's right. Forgetting that we are not the only people that are going to deal with the consequences of whatever decisions we make. Well, and the, and the stories that you're building, I mean, Lauren, one of the things I love about it is it's not done. It's not like you, it's, it's not like it's fixed and you built a story or, you know, 10 mm-hmm. stories or 20 stories or whatever you're, you and us and uh, society in general, we're constantly learning or at yeah. least we should be, excuse me. Oh, wow. I mean, I should probably rephrase that. <laughs> right. We should, should be, be. Yeah, we should be when, when, you know, when one of our friends, you know, tells us that they're non-binary, you know, the first time that it happens, like, you know, the, the question is, okay, well, tell me a little bit about that. Like, I don't know anything about it. All right, explain that to me. Great. Now, now I have an, a data point, a story. Right. But those, I mean, right. the, the stories for these companies uh, and for the audience to understand, it, it isn't a one and done. It's not a simple, again, it's, it was never a simple solution. It's not going to be a simple mm-hmm. solution. But if you truly do want diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, equality, you know, learning these stories and then yeah. continuing to kind of pursue new stories that develop right in front of us. Right. And how that, just think about how that affects your innovation. Because if you think about AI and you only have people that look like you or have a similar story to you, then how are you going to train models to be able to be inclusive of all of society, of all of your customers? How are you going to give all of your end users the best experience they can have if if the team that's building that doesn't even know the human experience of each other? hundred uh, percent. I mean, so let's let's talk a little bit about the the storytelling that that happens, um, and then kind of how you bring people together, and again how they learn from these stories. Because there's mm-hmm. there's vulnerability. Like everyone goes into these stories. No one's no one's going in as the expert because we can all right. all learn something new. So tell us a little bit more about those experiences and how that happens. Like I can see it happening. I mean, obviously you're doing it remotely. Now you're doing it through LMS and, and other technologies, mm-hmm. but take us into kind of how the stories get rendered and how people kind of play with the stories, and interact with the stories. Yeah, it's kind of a beautiful thing. So we're a game of, we're a platform of games. And so our games spew the gamut of talking about things from diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging to things like how to please your clients. So something for, mm-hmm sales and marketing folks or even people who have internal customers because we all have internal customers. But then it also could be like, hey, we're forming a new team, a project team. And how do we go about the forming, storming, norming, performing phase? You know, so we have games that's applicable to your development in areas to successfully do your job. What we've done is inherently build in the aspects of inclusivity and belonging and that diversity of thought in figuring out how we can make things equitable, how we can meet people where they're at, because Lauren might need more support in the area than William because of the circumstances Lauren has come from. That's equity. It's not, we've given Lauren and William the same resources. No, 
like the same resource. If I don't know how to use those resources, then I right. can't be successful. Right. Right. So that that's one thing with our games, though, when you come in, it's a game. It's like a question answer game. So think truth or dare. Right. But the truth part, um, you get these questions, but all of our questions are based on how you personally feel. So your perspective, your experiences, your opinion, your path, like what has your life taught you? We right. don't want to hear about the global week. You right. cannot talk for the, <laughs> right. Right. You the cannot Victorian, talk for the entire yeah. community you come from. Like you can't, right. No. I can't talk for all black women in, in the world. I, I can't, and I won't. And I think that's part of the problem and how we get to stereotypes right. and the marginalization of full communities because of that. So that's one thing. And so obviously we did it in game, game fashion because People fought for whatever reason, our brains, the psychology of our brains decide it's a game. It has rules. We must follow those rules. If you ever play a game and someone like isn't playing by the rules, you say you're cheating, right? You get upset and it's follow the rules. So we never have any issues from that perspective because also the people who you're playing with are now going to hold you accountable for mm-hmm. answering those questions from your perspective. Right. And so we have voting. So there's, there's voting, there's points, there's penalties, all that jazz to make, because I said, you have all the emotions, but it's so much laughter, so much fun. Even when you're having those tough conversations or those difficult conversations, because the, what's really difficult about conversations is the fact that you're worried about judgment and what people will think of you and how they'll think of you as a person. And that's when we begin to walk on eggshells and try and do the runaround with what we're really trying to say. But for right. our voting, for our voting, because we're humans, all humans judge. We're now trying to shift what are you judging? So you're not judging that person. And if you believe or, or if, you, if you think what they're saying or their experience is true, because you can't say their experience isn't true, that it didn't happen. But now you're saying, I'm voting on how open, honest, and vulnerable I felt you were being. Right. And so now you're in that, once you're in that realm and people are being vulnerable, it builds that foundation, that beginning foundation of trust, because you're like, wow, they just shared something that if this game didn't ask that question, we never would have heard something like that. I now feel comfortable asking for further contextual details so I can understand because I had this assumption or unconscious biasy that I didn't realize that I'm now privy to and I want to learn more and now I want to work on continuously improving in that blind spot or void that I had and that is what people is focusing on but then it's like now you've gotten these points and stuff and initially people were focused they got in they're like I'm playing a game I want to win I want to get the most points but by the end it goes super quick and they're like wow I just learned a whole bunch about William that I had no idea about. We never would have got to. And now I know how to best support William, how to make William most successful. And I now see if you're, if, if I'm William's manager, I now see this, these are the things that I need to be doing for William to get his most optimal output from him. And then to guide him on his career trajectory to where he wants to be. Yeah. Again, from survive to thrive. Um, when folks, two questions left. One, one is uh, around when folks look at the software for the first time. What do they? What do they? What do they give you feedback? Like, what do they fall in love with? 
how simple it is. So Keep Wool has two different aspects because our, our business model is it's, it's SaaS, um, so it's subscription-based, but then it's a train-the-trainer element because we want, there needs to be a facilitator and we call them hosts. It's like a game, it's game show hosts. So you need to have a host in it. So it feels like that third-party space to keep that safety that you want, that comfortability, because that person who's hosting is not going to be your manager and it's not going to be someone on your direct team. Right. So it gives you that, like, someone who's going to play, like, I don't even want to say referee because there's no refereeing needed, but someone right. who's going to make sure that you're following those rules, right? And then, um, but what's really great is when it's set up on the back end for whoever that host is or the administrator of the account is and set up the game, everyone just receives a link via their email because it's just an invite for whatever email system you use and you pull it up on your phone or on whatever device you want to use, your tablet, your desktop, laptop, and then you just click it and go and play and it gives you instructions, put in your name, you know, join the game. Your host is going to pick who's going to answer the question first. There's a rules tab to see what the rules are. So kind of like you're playing Monopoly or something and you, you come real quick and you know the rules and you just get to playing and it's very intuitive. And so people are like, oh my gosh, this it's an LMS in a way that's not a, okay, I'm going to go and do a standard lecture training or right. video training, PowerPoint training or something like, no, I just came in and played a game. I didn't even realize I was getting trained. Yeah, it's right. it's a it's a Trojan horse of sorts. Uh, it's not mm -hmm. it's the almost antithesis of diversity training, which you know yes. historically has been you know, you know uh, a beating for for most yeah. people involved. And it said, "Do this or don't <laughs> do this," and it makes you scared <laughs> yeah. to even have the conversations that are going to help you learn. <laughs> right, right. It's it's an inhibitor to actually mm -hmm. what it's trying to do. Which, exactly. you know, again, you know, getting back to the vanity metrics, a lot of that was just check the box compliance stuff that, well, we right. went through diversity, diversity training. So if, if, uh, if Chad or, or, or Brad did something wrong, well, you know, we, we went through diversity training. It's, you know, it's mm -hmm. their fault, not our fault. Um, yeah, we told them what terminology to use. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you can tell someone till they're blue in the face. They're not practicing it every day. How are they going to normalize that no. into their natural life? No, and they don't know how to contextualize <laughs> it. They don't know how. To, I mean, you know, it's again, it's flat. And and again, the way that we've done this in the past, we won't, we won't, we won't go backwards because it's just a better way of, again, kind of delivering an experience that gets people to a place emotionally, intellectually, and and kind of unpacks that vulnerability. Uh, and gets Absolutely. everyone to learn like everybody everyone gets to learn about themselves and the others while they're playing this so i love that um yes. favorite customer story uh or you know no without any names of course um or just something that you've seen customers really innovate around uh it's just that favorite customer story so i have one that's very interesting because so many people have said they're disconnected in this new world of being mm -hmm. remote and we have a team building game on there so it's it's not to be like so work based but to actually build relationships with your your teammates right and so there was a question that a person got that said what does true fulfillment and happiness and love look like to you Who's having conversations like that at work? Wow. <laughs> like, unless they're one-on-one, -on -one, right? This right. is with their entire team, with their manager sitting there. So what does true, and then that question, like when, when this person got the question, they were like, oh, that's deep. <laughs> like, where do I go with this? 
and they just started responding and they started talking about their relationship. And a key element of Keepwell is a need, the need more info vote, which allows people to gain those contextual details. So as, it gives them that permission to ask the questions that they normally wouldn't be able to ask because it's taboo or rude or that's not, but Keepwell a part of the game, that's what you do. So, so people were asking all kinds of follow-up questions, asking for advice. It was, it was amazing. I'm sitting in awe. And at the end, the, the manager said, you know what? I don't have a follow-up question because you answered all these questions amazingly. But I just want to say, I did not realize you were so wise and like, like you have so much wisdom that we have not heard in any of our team meetings and things. And the employee said like, yeah, I, I typically tend to be more quiet. I, I sit back more. And the manager goes, now I know this and I'm going to make space <laughs> to hear from you. Yeah. Now, and, I'm, gonna, now I'm going yeah. to be not letting you sit back. <laughs> right. I'm going to make space to hear from you because a lot of people who are introverted or something, they're not going to be yeah. all up in wanting to talk over people and things. But if you ask them a question, they have things to say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So much to contribute, but it's also like, well, now as a manager, you have to figure out how do I, how do I lead this specific person compared to, because your style cannot be blanketed across everyone and think that it's going to, they're going to be successful. No, coming out of the world war ii that kind of command and control kind of cookie cutter Mm -hmm. approach, it, it, it outlasted its welcome, you know, 30 years ago. Um, exactly. And so treating people individually, meeting them where they are, all the things that you, you've mentioned. Lauren, you, you're just doing, you're doing wonderful work. Um, thank you for carving out time for, for us, the audience and Use Case Podcast. I just absolutely love what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. I, I provided some value. Oh, 100%. Most of this <laughs> is just letting people know what's out there and how to interact with it. And uh, you're just doing great work. So thanks. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.